Well, we are in a sermon series called A New Hope. A New Hope, hopefully, is giving you a sense of expectation for a new year. Some of you have made some New Year's resolutions. Well, uh, I want you to have a new hope as we begin the year. I was thinking about this new hope, and I've been reading a book, actually, we just finished it, Arlita and I, called David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, well, I really like this book because um, we're really mobile as a church, and it's generally the stronger, the bigger, uh, the more uh, you think of something. So the, the bigger the church, you may think it's better, and I think, well, we can't be big, so are we as good? And David and Goliath, the book really articulates the, the, the great things about being small and nimble, but there was this really challenging story in it. Uh, Malcolm tells a story about uh, Cliff and Wilma Dirksen. It's very sad. Their daughter, Candace, at 13, um, was lost, and seven weeks later, she was found, and, and, and she had died. Somebody had, had taken her, and uh, they finally found her, and the Dirksons, of course, losing their daughters, one of three children they had, they were filled with grief. I, don't, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a child, but I, in this case, they were absolutely torn up. Thankfully, they were part of a supporting church, and so the church just surrounded them over and over again. There were people at their house all the time, whether they liked it or not, and just loved on them and loved on them and loved on them, especially that night when the police came to the door and they said, we found her. On that night, as it is when you have family come to the house in seasons of mourning, People leave, and people leave, and people leave, and finally it's midnight, and you're sort of left with the crowd that's cleaning up your dishes, and at that time, there was somebody who knocked on the door. It was a man that also lost his child, and lost their child to murder, and he had fought and fought and fought for justice to happen. They had caught someone. They thought that somebody had, had been... Um, chosen that this is the person that did the crime, but after three different trials, that person was acquitted, and so this father was left with a sense that justice was not done for his child, and he had been fighting, and 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 so much that he lost his family. He was so invested in this fight that that's all that mattered, and he sort of lost himself in this fight, not just in the mourning of his child, but it became something else. He got enveloped in the sin that happened. He got caught up in it. Even though it was against him, he got lost in it. He lost his wife. He lost his family. Kept him from going to work. He was so overwhelmed. His health deteriorated to such a degree that uh, as he was sitting with this family that had lost their own child, he said, I'm on this medication and this medication and this medication, and I'm hardly surviving, and you guys better prepare for the same thing, he said to them. And you can imagine the Dirksons sort of feeling this curse upon their lives that because their child was lost also, that they would be living like this man years and years later, being enveloped with the sin. And so the man at that point just said, get used to it. This is what's going to happen in your life. Got up and left. And instead of a declaration on their lives, the Dirksons said, no, this is not a declaration on our lives. This is a warning that we better not get wrapped up in the sin that happened against us. The truth is that the effect of sin goes deeper than we think. And sin is this religious word that you may encompass in some other things in your life. Um, a white lie sometimes, well, is that really a sin, you might think. 
And so we, we think differently about what different sins are. But the truth is, is that there are foundations in the background of all sin that we all deal with. And if we're not careful, that depth of what that sin is can really catch us up. We get tempted like this man. He, things get compounded. And that simple thought of wanting justice, wanting this man to be punished, want the evil against him that he felt to be ravished back on whoever killed his daughter. All sin, no matter how small, goes against the grain of the purpose for our lives, the purpose that God has for us, against the dignity of what God wants for us. I want to show you a video this morning. This video is on the name that Jesus gives himself in the Gospels, called the Son of Man. And I want to use this video this morning as a backdrop for what it means to face sin and walk through it. Greg, would you get the lights? And if we're ready to play that video, let's play that. If you read the New Testament, you'll notice that the most common title people use to describe Jesus is the Christ, that is, the Messiah. But surprisingly, Jesus almost never used that word to describe himself. Instead, he called himself the Son of Man. The Son of Man, what does that mean? Well, the phrase comes from an important chapter in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was an Israelite prisoner of war who was forced to live in the empire of Babylon and work for the prideful, violent king who destroyed his home. That sounds horrible. And while he was living and working in Babylon, Daniel had this crazy prophetic dream. You ready for it? I'm ready. He saw four beasts crawling out of a dark sea, hybrid monster-like animals, each scarier than the one before. And the fourth beast is so mutant, there's nothing to compare it to. And it's violent, leaving death and destruction in its wake. What in the world is this about? Well, he's told that these beasts symbolize violent, prideful kings and their empires. Oh, like the one Daniel's enslaved to. Yeah, and these creatures might seem random to you, but these images are developing an important biblical theme. How humans are these remarkable creatures capable of doing great good and horrible evil. How we can behave like animals. Right. Look at the first pages of the Bible. God creates the beasts of the field and humans together, all from the dust. But then the humans are set apart and given a royal task of being God's image. So humans are like the animals, but called to become much more. Yeah, they're to be God's representatives on earth, ruling on his behalf like kings and queens. But keep reading, and the humans are deceived by a beast who says that they could be more than just God's partners. Yeah, that they could rule the world on their own terms, which sounds good to them. But God knows this will be a disaster. And so he expels the humans to the realm of the beasts. The partnership is lost. But God makes a promise that one day a human will be born who won't give in to the beast. Rather, he'll overcome and strike the beast while being struck by it. Okay, so for the rest of the biblical story, we're waiting for that human. But instead, in story after story, we find people acting like beasts. Yeah, like in the next story about Cain, who's jealous and angry at his brother Abel. God warns Cain that he's facing a beastly urge called sin, a dark, mysterious kind of evil that consumes humans. But God says that Cain can rule the beast if he chooses. But he doesn't rule the beast. He lets this urge devour him, and he becomes a beast. And then after this, Cain's children spread their animal-like violence, and it leads to the founding of a whole civilization known for its beastly pride, the city of Babylon. Okay, Babylon. 
So fast forward, this is where Daniel is enslaved, having this bizarro dream. Exactly. Now, watch what happens next in Daniel's dream. He sees into God's throne room where a court is set up and God condemns the beast to destruction. That's great. And then Daniel sees that there's actually more than one divine throne. Oh, right, the throne that humanity left behind. Right, there hasn't been a human who's able to overcome the beast and rule alongside God until now. Daniel sees a figure called the Son of Man, which means a human. And he rides on a cloud up into God's presence and then sits down on the divine throne to rule the world. The partnership's renewed. Yes, and even more, all humanity worships and serves this Son of Man alongside God. Oh, worship? So this is no ordinary human. This is like a God human. Exactly. And so now you can see why Jesus of Nazareth, when he came onto the scene centuries later, chose this title, the Son of Man, for himself. He was claiming to be that truly human one on a mission to confront the beast. He was tempted to seize power on the beast's terms. But unlike every human before him, Jesus resisted the urge. And then he went about banishing the beast from people's lives. And he was teaching people how to rule the beast instead of being ruled by it. Okay, so how do you rule the beast? Well, Jesus did it by giving up his life. Wait, rule the beast by dying? Yes. When Jesus was on trial in a human courtroom and being condemned to death, he said, from this moment on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at God's right hand and coming on the clouds. But this is the moment he's about to die. Exactly. From one perspective, the cross looks like a beastly torture device, but Jesus viewed it as his throne. And on this throne, he exposed the subhuman nature of our evil by letting it do its worst, and then he overcame it with his divine life and love. Jesus' execution was his exaltation. So Jesus is the first human to overcome the beast, and as a result, he can partner with God to rule the world. And so now, Jesus is summoning a new humanity into existence, one that can overcome the beast in the same paradoxical way. To rule the beast by dying. And then by discovering that Jesus' life and power can become our life and power. So we can rule the world as God's partners, but Jesus' style, in the power of service, humility, and self-giving love. That's good, but you can clap. It's a great video. There's more on the BibleProject.com uh, on different books of the Bible, different subject matter. If there's one thing I want you to remember from today, bearing on the weight of this video, remember this. New hope means a new kind of forgiveness. New hope means a new kind of forgiveness. When we're starting the year off and we have an expectation that Jesus can do what he did, this is a new kind of hope. This isn't a hope of New Year's resolutions. This is a hope of conquering, battling, destroying the beast that's wanting to take over our lives. So the Son of Man name is introduced to us in the book of Luke. I want to read that with you. This is Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It'll be up on the screen for you. And one day, while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees, these are like not really religious authorities, but they're sort of the, the religious people that really are trying to define what religion is during the day. They're, they're checking Jesus out. They're with them. This is probably Jesus' house, by the way, that they've come to. Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that 
These men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well from all Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power, Jesus' healing power, was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So if you can imagine this home, Jesus' home, is so crowded with people that have come from all over because they've heard of who this Jesus is. He's saying some different things about the authority of this world and what God is wanting to do. They want to test him out. They want to see if what he's saying is really real. And they're not the only ones. People that are desperate, people that have been struck by the beast in one way or the other, are hungry for transformation. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside, couldn't reach him because of the crowd, so... They went up to the roof, took off some tiles of Jesus' roof. I don't know if I would be so bold. And they lowered the sick man on a mat down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. If you want to reference the video, your sins are forgiven means... That whatever the effects of the beast have tried to do to you, whatever ways that you have taken the throne of the beast and thought that that was the way that you should live, and now you recognize that that's not the way you want to live anymore. All of that is done away with. You're free from that. I give you the power that I have over the beast. Your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees, these religious people and teachers of religious law, said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Only God, in some way that they've been waiting for for years, could be the one that says, you have power over this beast that has power over you. Only God can do that. And honestly, the only way that that's been done within the context of the religious people in that day is by going to the temple, doing a blood sacrifice, getting ceremonial blood scattered on you, and having whatever sin you have atoned for, so that then the power of God might, maybe, have power over your sin. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, Or stand up and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. So that you know that the Son of Man has authority over the beast, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority over the things that crush you, I'm going to show you the power of God in such a magnificent way that this man who came in paralyzed gets up in a physically different way. 
When I read that, what I see is Jesus identifying the power of sin with some physical issues. Now, does a paralyzed man, is he paralyzed because he sinned? I don't know. I think Jesus sometimes uh, condemns people that would say that. And so we don't know if maybe something in a sinful world affected this man. Maybe he was struck by a rock in his spine or something like that. This is just the consequences of a fallen world, right? That this man would be paralyzed. But now Jesus says, I'm the son of man. I have the power over the beast. And to show you what that power actually does in somebody's life, I'm asking this man to get up and walk. So that's one paradigm that's going on in the story. The other paradigm, so some of us are coming here today with that sense of being paralyzed, right? That sense of sin. We're going into the new year feeling like I've got stuff in my life that has completely got control over me. At some point, I slipped up and took the beast's throne and said, I really want to run life the way I want to run it. And so it will be, and we, end, we ended up being trapped by the beast. There's, there's a lot of you here. But there's another paradigm that's going on here, and that's those four men that saw their friend paralyzed. And when they saw their friend paralyzed, they lived in a new hope. And that new hope told them to do something. Uh, Daniel, would you join me up here for just a moment? This is my friend, Daniel Bell. Daniel... Um, has actually been in this situation where you saw your friend in need and you helped them. You brought them to help. Uh, You've been in a lot of different situations like that, actually, as someone in Afghanistan and Iraq, right? Yes. So um, as I'm telling this story, you've actually carried somebody who is in need. What's that like, carrying somebody who's in need? Uh, your focus is completely on that person and, and really not what's going on with you, uh, especially in a combat situation. It's take care of this person. It's not about taking care of yourself. This is, this is the issue that's going on with Jesus and his friends. I mean, this is, this is they, they're recognizing that the Son of Man has power before they've even seen it, but they have such hope that Jesus forgives sins that the power that he's carrying is so real that he could actually do something for their friends, so much so that they're willing to wreck up Jesus' house to do that. Have you been willing to break through some hard barriers in order to get help for folks? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you break through whatever you've got to do. Uh, I, I flew in uh, helicopters, so we would land wherever, and you, know, you would break through a, a berm sometimes to be able to get them extricated from that particular position. I just thought that there's just no better example than someone like Daniel this morning to to help me figure this out. In fact, I asked him to bring a mat this morning. Let's grab this. So this is probably a lot fancier than what those, I'm going to say guys, uh, but those people had that they were, I mean, could you imagine going up to a roof with this and dropping a person down and right in front of Jesus. We, we have equipment that's a lot better than this for something like that, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to see, I, I figure I'm the, I'm the most sinful person here, the, mo- the one <laughs> most in need of um, God's son of manness in my life. I wondered what it would be like if I was on this stretcher this morning, and is there anybody that'd be willing to, for Daniel to teach them how to lift me this morning? 
this is real. Like this is what it took for somebody to receive. So come on up, Daniel. Let's 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 okay. put the, let's let's do this. Here, let me set this down. How should I lay down here? You can lay down either. Either way. All right. Very versatile map. Just, just in case I, I'm resistant to God's love, they're going to strap me in. <laughs> this is this is very weird. <laughs> There's no way you can. I mean, to get me on a rooftop, but. I've got to feel pretty desperate to allow you to lift me in the middle of the air. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is, you all can set me down if you want. <laughs> Thank you. I, we, we laugh at this, but this is what heroes are doing every day, and for real. And this is also the reality that these men were living in, that this, there was such desperate need that they were willing to carry somebody like this. Thank you, Daniel. I wonder what it would be like to recognize the power of God in such a way to be willing to not just be carried to Jesus for him to change the things in my life that need to be changed, to transform me, to release me from the power of the beast. I wonder what it would be like to be a friend that was so, so willing to abandon myself, to break religious law, to go to a friend and say, you need help. At some point, the beast has completely rocked you, and now you're trapped. And you're so trapped but, that I want to be so bold to get you on a mat to Jesus. Daniel was showing me, I, I think two people lifted me up, right? That was, but it's made for four. You could do it for four as well, right? I guess you could get as many people around as you could. This week, I saw a video of some Amish lifted up a barn. They all got around the barn and lifted up the entire barn and moved it across their field to put it in place. There may be some people in your life that are that heavy, that their burden has so gripped their lives that they need a whole community to come alongside them, but I would think at least two, we see a person in need and we go to them and say, listen, you're a trap. Over the last couple of months, I've been doing that with a friend of mine, and it's just been horrific. To be able to confront a friend and say, you are so out of line, you are so lost. Please stop. Not only please stop, but you're hurting other people. Please stop. And when he wouldn't listen to me, I got other people, and tried to get him on the mat, tried to strap him in. Please stop. I've got to bring you to Jesus. This has to stop. The word sin and forgiveness, I think, 
in our religious history, wherever you're coming from, you're a Western American probably, these words have meant almost nothing to you, but I want to recapture them for a moment. They are as significant as war. They are as significant at what a battle can do to a soldier on the field. And we see the bloodshed, and, and there's so much going on today, and some of you have been in the field, and, and I want to say a bit of an apology if this has been so significant to rock you emotionally this morning. This picture is absolutely real. And by calling it spiritual, I think sometimes we lose the real rights of, of the punishment that the beast does to people. And when we do that, we lose the real rights of what actual forgiveness the Son of Man does for people. Because when the Son of Man sees someone who's broken by the beast, he forgives their sin. not only releasing them from the power of the beast, but then gives them new life to walk. Could you imagine what it would look like for your friends that are so trapped by the beast to be set free and to walk freely, to be in such a way that you didn't have to put them in a mat anymore. They could be the ones going out and finding others. I'm hungry for that kind of life. I'm hungry for people here or people that you know, they have guilt that's been inherited because they're human just like other people are human. They've been corrupted because they've grown up in a system of sin. They lack uh, any kind of spiritual good before God because they, they've never known it before. Sin has been ruining their lives. They've participated in themselves. Some of the... Some of them, some of you, some of me is addicted to some kind of sin that we're so trapped by it. Friends, forgiveness is not a feeling. Sin is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a power. Forgiveness is a power over this beast that wants to entrap us. And no matter how good our New Year's resolutions are, wants to thwart us, to dehumanize ourselves. The Son of Man has power to forgive sin. And here's what it looks like. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. This is what I want to end with. This is Paul speaking to a church about the power of the Son of Man over sin. He says, We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. At one point, we thought that forgiveness was just a religious thing. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. They've got up from their mat. Their old life is gone. A new life has begun. All this is a work of religion. No. All this is the work of a good New Year's resolution. No. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, who by his Spirit sent other people out to grab us, throw us on a mat, and bring us before the throne of grace in Jesus. And God has given us, us this task 
of reconciling people to him. Each one of us here who have felt and know and have been transformed by his power, the son of man's power, we have now been given an assignment of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Get on this mat. I want to carry you to God. I'm fighting for you. You're trapped. Come on. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we may be made right with God through Christ. I want us to leave today with the confidence that forgiveness conquers over the power of evil. I want us to leave with that confidence so much that we could be like one of those men that grabbed their friends and brought them right before Jesus, that risked everything. Risked even their friendship with this paralyzed man, maybe. I want us to leave today with this confidence. Forgiveness ends the power of evil. Jesus is the only one with the authority to forgive evil. And I want us to come right now, some of us with the confidence to receive that forgiveness. Would you stand with me, please? And I want to wait. I want to wait and allow the Holy Spirit to speak because some of us are, are seeing ourselves holding that mat and somebody else is in it. And some of us are seeing ourselves on that mat. Well, come Holy Spirit and would you speak to everyone here? Would you begin to minister? I'm going to ask Lila to come up. And... For those of you who are contemplating if God really, if his forgiveness can really conquer over my issues, if, if my, my issues are really that big, I think that God's asking you a question this morning, and I think it sounds something like, do you believe that I can do it? Each one of us needs to reconcile that question. God asking you, do you believe that I can do it? Do you believe I can really set you free? For some of you, you're picturing yourself trying to bring your person, your friends, your family member to church or speak to them about whatever's going on that's trapped, uh, trapped them and whatever's going on. And, and you're thinking, God, I don't want to ruin the relationship. It's already bad enough. I don't want to make things awkward. I don't want to confront them. And I think Jesus is maybe asking you the same question. Do you think that I can do it? Well, if you're willing, I want to invite you into a prayer this morning. It's up on the screen for us all to pray together. It's a prayer of receiving forgiveness. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus Christ, 
I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Whatever ways you've taken up that crown of the beast, thinking you could do it better than God, thinking you've got a better plan, I just ask you to lay it down right now, to trust that God could forgive you, take away the power, set you free. Would you pray with me this morning? Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Hold on just a moment. This is the gift of being set free. This is the gift of the power that changes a paralyzed man into a walking man. This is the power that gives us the boldness to go to those that are broken and in need of God's forgiveness with fervency and abandonment. Would you pray with me again? What am I saying? I now receive that gift. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would some of you be bold enough to say, I'm praying that prayer for the first time this morning? Or I'm praying that prayer and it's been a long time, but I know I need to come back. Would you have the boldness to come up this morning? Bring a friend with you. I, I don't care. Just Would you come up and just, just declare that boldness? Just come up right now. It's not an embarrassing time. This is all of us on the mat wanting the grace of Jesus. And there are some of you, I want to give you the opportunity to come up and receive prayer this morning. If you saw yourself as someone carrying that friend or family member, but you just feel like there's so many walls in the way, would you come up this morning? You know there's a boldness that you need to confront somebody in need of God's forgiveness, but it's just been so hard. Come up. Come up front this morning. Nobody's going to ask you to say anything. There are others of you, there was a team praying for you this morning. They speak out in risk, hoping that God is speaking through them to you. There's a couple things that might connect with you. Take it with a grain of salt, but respond to it if it does connect. Jesus asking you to respond when he says, I love you. Someone has lost a very important key. These are just ways for us to risk. Say, God, is, are you speaking to somebody? Maybe you're calling their number. Maybe they wouldn't come up or they wouldn't go for prayer unless you called their number. This is one way we try to risk and lean into God speaking. And we do it humbly. There are some of you here that have physical, emotional, spiritual needs. You just need to talk to somebody or you just need somebody to pray for you. We have prayer teams available for you in this front corner and they're just gonna stay there with you and wait for the Holy Spirit to speak and minister to whatever need you have. 
I want to wait for just a moment. Come, Holy Spirit, would you minister to us? Would you capture us with your forgiveness? Would you capture us with the awareness of what sin can do? Would you show us how powerful you are? For those of you coming forward this morning, I invite you to just stay and somebody's going to come around you and pray for whatever it is. There are prayer teams waiting for you if you have any other physical, emotional, spiritual need. For the rest of you, I just want to bless you this morning. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that the power of the enemy would break off of you. The power of the beast would break off of you. That you would be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, the very words of Jesus over your life saying, you're forgiven, get up and walk. And that you would go out from that place in his power to set other people free, to bring them to Jesus. I bless you in Jesus' name.